Brian Eisenberg on marketing an alpha version of your product, episode 56. Let's do it. Do it. Welcome to the Rebel Growth Podcast. I am Borja Beso, and every week I bring you step-by-step growth and only marketing strategies that you can actually implement in your business to see some results. It's my pleasure to have you here, and let's start with another episode now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. Thank you so much for being here. For today's show, I have with me Brian Eisenberg, who is going to share how he built an alpha version of his product with thousands of users without actually releasing the final version. Listen closely because you're going to get a lot of value from this specific episode. So without any further ado, let's jump right into our conversation with Brian. For today's episode, I have with me the co-founder and CMO of IdealSpot. He's the co-author author of The Wall Street Journal, Business Week, USA Today, and New York Times bestselling books, Call to Action, Waiting for Your Cat to Bark, and Always Be Testing. Brian Eisenberg, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm very excited to be here. So why don't we, we begin by telling the audience a little about your background. How it is that you came into this spot? Wow. Uh, how long is the show? How, how much time do we have? <laughs> uh, well, we have uh, six hours now. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, uh, a quick, just a quick overview so, so that people uh, get a sense of you. Sure. In, uh, in business, Business-wise, that is. Yeah, so in the uh, mid-90s, I started working um, on a couple of websites, and I started focusing in a little bit on search engine optimization, but then I also realized that I had um, uh, another skill that I was applying to these websites, which was the ability to get them to uh, convert more visitors into sales. Uh, By 1998, my brother and I realized there was a business in doing that. We were wrong. It was way too early. Um, but we did it anyway, and we launched, we launched the first agency focused exclusively on um, improving conversion rates for websites, whether it was B2B or B2C. Um, and we focused in on how to improve the customer experience using data. I became the, the founder and chairman emeritus of the Digital Analytics Association. I uh, published five books on the time, everything from copywriting to to web analytics. And over the last number of years, I've I've advised a number of venture-backed startups. We left our agency about seven years ago. We've been consulting um, to a couple, you know, companies here and there. You know, big search engines you might have heard of, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Right, and. The question kept coming up as more and more companies kept approaching us to advise them that there seems to have been a trend starting to form of companies trying to bring what was commonplace in um, online marketing to brick and mortar retail, right, to the offline world. And I realized there was obviously a lot of opportunities there. So, for example, I started advising companies like Nomi, which was basically Google Analytics for uh, brick-and-mortar stores. 
and uh, there were companies like Shelfbox, and I'm just one after another. And I said, okay, there, there's a there's a trend going on here, and I need to capitalize. And so I started asking myself that question: What is it that uh, we take for granted as digital marketers that um, that traditional brick and mortar just don't have readily accessible to themselves? And one of the first, um, I, I had several ideas, but I I, I, uh, I met with a few um, other uh, potential co-founders here in Austin, and uh, uh, I finally settled on uh, my friend Mark Smookler and, and Andrew Hunter, and we came up with the idea that first of all there was no Zillow type um, site for traditional retailers to go to to uncover which locations would be the right locations for them to open up their stores. If, and if you flip that around, right, in terms of what does that mean from a digital market point of view, uh, there's no way for them to understand how uh, they target in a brick-and-mortar world. Right. And um, Andrew, who um, has – his father uh, actually teaches at the University of North Texas um, uh, and GIS, which is all the mapping software and stuff um, – came back a couple of weeks later and he played around with this algorithm that basically looked at, I think at that point it was like somewhere around 5,000 different variables that we could get around um, demographics and, and, and some, some other key things that we were looking at and help predict whether a given location for a given retailer was a good location for them or not. All right, so what are some of the variables that uh, ideal spot checks in order to understand what you know what the ideal spot for your business would be? So I mean, you know, obviously we start with some of the demographics, but some of the key things that we found obviously that that matter a lot more are a lot of the behavioral characteristics, right? What are people's interests? And so, uh, for example, one of the products that we came out with in this in the full suite now is something we call customer location targeting, and it takes in all of um, uh, search data, right? The people, you know, requesting for uh, for things like sushi in a particular area. Um, it'll take in social, you know, Yelp, uh, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Bing, and it will use that data to understand if there's demand in a particular area or not. Right. Obviously, we look at traffic. We look at spending patterns. Uh, you know, we we look at the success of other places. We look at um, you know, things like uh, how much uh, businesses are growing or shrinking in reviews in that particular category in that area. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of, you know, right now, you know, we can take a look at over 15,000 variables. So, you know, it's, uh, th there's a lot of things that go into it that kind of uh, help you get a better understanding of it. And of course, you know, if a human tried to do this, it would be impossible, but because it's a, a machine learning algorithm, it could, it could do amazing things like that. Yeah. And did you do any validation before you decided to go on, on alpha? Yeah. So like I said, you know, we, we had gone and one of the first things we did, we just set up some very simple landing pages, try to see if we can, you know, get some leads for this. If there, if there was some interest for this, um, we spoke to different people in the industry who were using different tools or were just starting to look, um, you know, we started speaking to some investors and people were very excited by the opportunity of bringing a more, uh, you know, real-time data uh, and this machine learning algorithm, um, you know, to the world of brick and mortar, which is obviously in a, a state of transition today, right? We, we see, you know, stores uh, are having a lot of, uh, uh, of uh, difficult times. New stores are opening up. Uh, you know, one of my favorite examples of this is, uh, you know, I'm sure you've walked into a jeweler at least once in your lifetime. Yes. 
right? Um, so Blue Nile, which is you know grown tremendously online in the last I don't know about fifteen years, uh, opened up their first store in uh, New York and on Long Island um, uh, several months ago, and they are just crushing it out of a, basically a four hundred and ninety square foot space. Hmm. Right, and so the model and the way to think about retail is changing. Uh, Bonobos and Warby Parkers, and and so you know Amazon opened up their first store. And so when you start understanding that this space has to change, um, but we need different models to understand what success is going to look like and why. So once you decided you were going to go th uh, to go ahead and build the alpha, what were some of the uh, features that you decided to to build into the application first. So it, 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 here's here's a scary thing, right? Um, you know, my my uh, my CEO Mark. Uh, this is his sixth uh, company. Um, you know that that uh, he's involved with and that he's exited. That hopefully, will exit from right the the, the five he's exited from. Uh, Andrew has been four, including one of Facebook's largest gaming platforms. Um, you know, I've been around the rodeo a very long time, been advising. Mm -hmm. You know, over a right. So here we are, three fairly. You know, I've had a lot of success, but we went ahead and we started talking to the angel investors um, and some of the institutional investors here in Austin, Texas. And while we had developed this algorithm early on, we knew that that was the end of the funnel, right? In other words, the only time you really need the algorithm was, hey, I looked in a town, I found an area that I'm look, I'm interested in opening up a store for. Um, I found a property and now I think I'm ready to sign a lease. Is this the right place? And then you come to us. And we knew obviously that's not a great place to be the model, but that's the first thing we built, right? Can we use an algorithm to, uh, you know, to, to predict success? So we, so we had that. And some of the things that we did is we took places that had like hundreds of locations. We told them, okay, give us data, about 20 of them. And then we'll score another 20 and see how close the algorithm is. Uh, to matching how successful they really are. And the algorithm kept proving itself time and time again. So we knew that part was was right, but we needed, but we followed the advice sort of of the uh, venture capitalist in town and said, hey, you know, we want to know, can you sell these reports? And so, yes, we went ahead and we built a whole e-commerce engine built around selling, you know, these reports. It's almost like a credit report for a location. Right. Right. Um, and we got some sales, but it was obviously challenging because we didn't have everything else they needed in order to answer those first questions. What city, what area, right? What blocks, what location? And so without it being able to answer that, um, it was obviously very hard to grow out the marketplace. So we, we, uh, we did a, spent a few months getting distracted, building all that out, trying to prove that. Um, and it worked, again, to, to, uh, to a moderate success, not as much as we had wanted to because, again, it was end of funnel. We knew, you know, I sort of knew we were handicapped. And then we said, you know, forget it because at the end of the day, by the way, none of those investors who told us to do that actually invested money. Hmm. So um, all, here's one of my first piece of advice to anybody is do not take the advice of an, uh, of an investor unless they're putting their money behind it. Right. That's, I mean, that's... You you couldn't put it in a better in better words words. Uh, you know sometimes they're <laughs> smart and they're right, but if they're not willing to gamble with their own money or time, you have to take caution with what they say. Right, right. Okay. I now, think that, that's fair to say. Not that I haven't gotten great free advice from investors. Well, we have, 
But again, right? Take it with caution because if there's not money behind it, you've got to question it. Right. And what, what kind of funding have you had? So um, I, I guess this will be the first pu- almost public announcement of it because we're about to do the release. We're, we're about to release a, a whole new um, uh, architecture of, of, the, of the full suite um, in the next few days or so. So uh, we were going to do a release around both, but we've uh, to date we've raised a million dollars in our seed round. Wow, amazing! Congratulations. Thank you. So, um, yeah. So you know, but, but that but that was by going after uh, and and chasing smarter investors and talking more about the vision and the plan and the other tools we wanted to build. And so that's what we've done. We've now built out. Uh, there's six different uh, parts of our tool. The first one, you come onto uh, the Ideal Spot website, and you can play around with demographics, and you can filter by them with and or or, and you can do that all for free. What people are charging for today, we're giving away for free. Um, then you can go ahead and you can order this customer location targeting report. That's the report that pulls in, um, you know, just an example, Facebook has over 70,000 interest groups for people. And whether you're active or passive on Facebook, uh, it knows things about you, Right. And so that's a good start, and so that we, we enhance that with search and, 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 and reviews and other information to kind of map where the hot spots are for, for the interests that per- fit your business on there. So that's another whole heat map of a city where you can find, oh, these are the best areas. Then, of course, we have um, traffic reports, right, when you can look, you know, where are the busiest streets uh, within the city. And so obviously that's going to help you make some decisions. And then we've added uh, what we call that location score, which was the obviously that 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 first piece. We've also added the ability to predict revenues uh, for a particular business in a particular category down to uh, uh, you know a certain certain block that you want to open up on. And then uh, lastly, we have something that's really cool, which we call the spot on analysis, which can analyze all of your locations and your competitors' locations and get an understanding of hey. There are variables out there that you never would have considered but are absolutely crucial for the success or failure of your business. Let me give you an example of one. You, um, I'm sure you're, you might be a fan of uh, pizza. I've met very few people who aren't, but oh, yeah. I, I could imagine. I, where, <laughs> where are you from, actually? Um, originally, I'm from um, Spain. What part of Spain? Madrid. Okay. I've, I've actually had a great pizza in Barcelona. I've not, I've not been to Madrid. But I've had great pizza in Barcelona, right? Um, and, and it would surprise you to know that after we studied thousands of pizzeria, there's a secret ingredient that can predict the success of a pizzeria better than almost any other ingredient you can imagine. I'd like you to take a guess at what that ingredient might be. Mm, uh, the dough? Nope. Um, the sauce? Nope. It's, it's got to be the cheese. No, so let me tell you what it is then. What it is. That's what everybody would think. No, in reality, it's motor oil. Uh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> so what we found out uh, through the spot-on analysis is that and, – and by the way, this happened for multiple pizza brands. Not all of them, but multiple brands. And it was different based on whether you were a – takeout business or whether you were eat-in business, but essentially, if you opened up in a neighborhood that had a, a, a strong population that purchased seven or more quarts of motor oil, okay, 
For one chain, it predicted success. For another chain, it predicted failure. Whoa, that's the powerful. Number one variable. And how, how do you figure that, that out? So what the, what the machine learning algorithm does is it takes all the locations that we know are successful and unsuccessful, and it looks at every variable compared to each other for every single location, right? It's a massive amount of computing. And it says, look, every single time there's success, this variable keeps popping up this percent of time. And every single time there's a failure, these variables come up. And motor oil kept showing up over and over and over and over again. Now, I guess with, with, with such an advanced algorithm, um, you've had a lot of headaches building it, probably. But um, what, what have been some of the main headaches, you, you know, if not, that you've had the last nine months on, until right now that you're launching? Well, it, it's one of the reasons why we are re-architecting the platform right now is because of how many different um, data sets and data platforms and APIs and um, trying to get all those data sets to communicate together and to standardize and to standardize around the way uh, we think of locations. Um, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world, understanding what category a business is in, right? Because there are lots of different restaurants, right? But a restaurant could be a food truck or it could be, you know, a, a massive, you know, TGI Fridays that's, you know, three floors in the middle of Times Square. Right. They're all restaurants. Um, so how do you understand the difference between all of them and how can you understand which one could get what kinds of revenues based on, you know, again, what what type of business it is. And so uh, it actually gets it more complex or even jewelry stores. Right. There are different types of jewelry stores. There's the family jeweler. There's an engagement jeweler. Right. There's there. There's the uh, um, the jeweler who sells, you know, fake more fake stuff. And so, I mean, it really it, getting getting the data to all understand that, that that was probably the hardest part of this whole thing. I got you. So who's ideal spot, ideal customer? Um, the ideal customer is probably a retailer or a restaurant chain that's probably opened up a handful of locations, um, up to probably 200 maybe, uh, maybe more. We're not really going for the top, top tier at this point. Uh, we really want more of the emerging brands. Um, and uh, they're looking for a solution that's both real-time it's not heavy on them doing a lot of analysis. You know, one of the things that, uh, because I come from the, the, the web analytics role, I realize how challenging it is to find good analysts to begin with. We wanted the, the platform to be able to just answer questions, not bring up more questions. And so someone who doesn't have necessarily a big team, but they want quick answers with real time data. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, they, they just know that they need data to make a decision, not just the, just not, uh, uh, you know, their gut to say, oh, this is the right place. Absolutely. So now let's just jump into, you know, getting traction and, and growing the plat, actually, you know, getting clients. What, yep. what are some of the things that you have been doing for the last nine months and you plan to do on your first month of, of uh, official operations to grow and get traction for the business? So, you know, I, I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of my uh, startups that I've advised as well. You know, when you're first setting out, you need to understand the story that you're trying to tell and tell it from the customer's point of view. 
That is that is the number one secret of success in marketing, right? The best companies look at the world from the point of view of their customer. How do we make the customer the hero? So I look at my friend Danny, who was the COO of this restaurant, and said, you know what? What could I have done to make Danny have been the ultimate hero and saved his company from choosing that terrible location? What would have helped him convince that, that the rest of his team that, hey, this is a terrible idea, right? And all throughout the beta process and all throughout our testing process, what we've done is we've collected tons of stories um, from the data that, that's told us interesting stories like motor oil, <laughs> right, um, to, uh, to the fact that, you know, um, one of my friends had always told me he was an advertising consultant who worked with jewelers for years. And he said, look, you know, what? if you're going to open up a jewelry store, one of the best places to open up a jewelry store is near a Bed Bath & Beyond. And he sort of had a reason why he said that and all that. And again, he's very successful, so there's no reason to doubt him. But sure enough, one of the first jewelers we analyzed, uh, you know, looked looked at you know several hundred uh, jewelry stores, and there was a very strong correlation with them being opened up next to Bed Bath and Beyond or near them. So you know, being able to pull all these stories, and and you know, and we have stories of. Um, one, one of the guys who owns a, a successful um, uh, chicken wing uh, chain here uh, uh, based out of Austin, uh, Sean Greenberg, uh, a, ch a chain called Pluckers, uh, he actually decided to become an investor in our company. Uh, he's come in. He's helped us you know, uh, tweak the product, rethink certain things, revalue certain pieces. Uh, be and because he's tried all the other tools and he's felt the pain that every other retailer has – and what he wanted was exactly what I just told you, right? A solution that gives them answers, not more questions, and that deals in real-time data. Because unfortunately, a lot of the tools um, out there are using uh, census data, which is projected every you know every year, right? But it's not; it's never exact anymore, unless you get it this year the census. But even that, it changes significantly. I know I know some of these businesses are using magazine subscription data, which again you can imagine how outdated that must be. Um. There are uh, businesses that are are using uh, survey data that might the survey may have done been four years ago to judge a neighborhood and, and their preferences. And so you know you can't operate on data that's four years old in a market that's so you know that evolves so quickly. And so that's why there's you know he's so excited and 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 being able to go out there and start telling that story both to influencers. And to media and sharing those stories so that they can share that stories with others is, I think, the core of, of what great marketing um, uh, tends to be. And, and our job is to help other customers build great stories. So how are you getting those stories out there, like case studies, blog posts? So, yeah, we, we'll do, um, obviously, some of our own content. But, you know, uh, this whole time that we've been in, in beta... You know, the, the number one secret to PR is not to, you know, send out press release, not to not to develop a great pitch. It's develop great relationships. It's it's the last I heard. It's public relations. Right. Which comes from relationships. And I think most people miss that. And so, you know, I've spent the last year as we've been building this, developing relationships with the key influencers in this industry, with the key journalists in this industry. Um, and so I know and I've already had the you know the reception from several of them as I'm showing them some of the things that we're doing. Um, that you know, as soon as I tell them, okay, let's flip the switch. You know, can we get some stories out there? Can we get some coverage? They'd be glad to do it. 
right? Because I've, I've helped them. I've been a, a resource for them. I've, I've connected them to people. I've become valuable to them. And of course, why wouldn't they want to help me if I, I have a good story for them? So you build a pretty strong relationship, and then you take uh, you know a direct you know direct pitch approach to asking them for a share, right? Yeah, but the pitch has to also obviously have a tell a good story, right? It can't be just you know promotional, right? Right. We're we're coming up with the real reasons as to why and what's why is the, why is this so groundbreaking? Why is this so important? Uh, and with some of the customer stories, and and that leads them to be able to to be able to write about it. So I'll give you an example. One of the stories we just did, and it's not necessarily tied to our business, but I started developing a relationship with a, uh, a political journalist here in uh, Austin. And one of the things my one of my data scientists uh, did is he ran the interest for all the political, uh, the top political candidates running uh, for president this year, and where their fan base was essentially in Austin, and, and we mapped it. And we were able to send that out to these journalists. And, of course, the journalist wants to blog about it and write about it because, you, again, you can't get anywhere else. Right? And it's an interesting story. And it's not exactly what our business does, but it's what the platform's capable of doing. So, yes, if I can tie in interest of political candidates and I can uh, – out of the one point uh, – roughly 9 million people here in Austin, I can get a data set of based on 1.3 million people, which is pretty much almost every adult – um, I've got a great data set and of course they can tell that story and it doesn't have to be directly related to, oh yes, I got into the, you know, national restaurant news and it's telling all the restaurant owners. That's not important, right? Stories get told no matter where they get found, people find them. Uh, and what were, what are some of the things that you do to actually build this relationship? Like some of the uh, initial steps that you take towards building a relationship with someone who, you know, who might help you leverage their influence? Oh, so, I mean, well, so let's start, you know, first of all, there, there are tools out there to help you identify who your influencers are, right? Things like BuzzSumo and Muckrack, which is for journalists and stuff like that. So you, you can start using some of those tools and you can start getting a sense of, hey, these are the people who talk about what I do or the industry that I want to target and, and, and get to know them. Start following them on Twitter. Start uh, you know, following their RSS feeds, read their content, get to know who they are, what they like, um, you know, and, and not just the business coverage, but, you know, you can start finding out personal preferences about them based on other things that they're sharing in social media and, and, and really start developing relationships and having communications with them, not just about pitching, not just about a business relationship. Right, so like real meaningful relationships, and you've been nurturing that for a, ye a year, you know. Well, some, some of them longer because, like I said, I've been in the industry, you know, yeah. in, in related industries for a long time. But yeah, for, for the last year, there's a whole bunch of new influencers that, uh, you know, I've never had, you know, any reason to necessarily deal with. But I've gotten to know this past year. And so now I feel comfortable saying, hey, you know, can I can I you know, grab you for 15 minutes to show you what we're doing and, and why it's so interesting and, and, and why your audience would be interested in this. Wonderful. I mean, it seems pretty legit to me. Uh, it's a long-term, a long-term game. Um, I think it's, you know, you, you are gathering a network of people that will lend you their authority and, and help you spread, you know, spread the word about the stories that you want to tell. And the message, and you know that way you build a bond with your ideal customer. Um, I think that's the way to go for sure. 
Uh, any key takeaways that you you know that you would like to provide to the audience in regards to what you plan to do, or uh, if they want to build a startup like you have and grow it? Um. So a you know re really get involved in your industry, really get to understand what the industry is and 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 who's in it and who moves it and who are the cool kids in the neighborhood, who are the ones that are the movers and shakers and influence other people. Uh, in the space, um, you know, you if you start reading enough of the the trade journals and and um, or you know in the consumer stuff, you know, uh, you know who keeps being mentioned in case studies and there there are certain brands that keep doing it. Go ahead, get to know them, develop those relationships. You know, ask them for you know a little bit of their time and and see what you can do to help them and and to and to and to uh, build out that relationship. I mean, just to put in perspective, when we first launched our alpha product. We were able to, uh, and, and we had to tone, turn down marketing. Just keep that in mind, right? As we built out the rest of the suite, we didn't want to sustain it for um, just that spot on report that we, we had, a location score report that we had ages ago. But we were able to get the site going to where, we, you know, in our first month of alpha, you know, uh, we started with, you know, well over uh, 10,000 visitors a month, every month for the first six months. Right, just from getting the story out to a couple of key influencers, and they weren't the biggest influencers, and they weren't necessarily the um, uh, the strongest influencers um, that we could have leveraged. But it was enough that that story just people wanted to find out more, and of course, we started producing content and keeping that going, and so that really helped to you know keep that audience and develop bringing them there and supporting us while we were able to build this all out and. So now I've got a nice mailing list. I've got people who've you know downloaded an ebook that we've created on how to choose location. And now that we're getting ready to launch the suite, uh, you know we have that ability to keep nurturing them, and then leveraging the rest of the relationships. And we, all this time, we've also been working on a um, behind the scenes uh, sort of uh, SEO strategy for more long term. Um, and that's also started to to start seeing some of the fruit of the traffic. Uh, beginning to show up, and now we're going to be integrating that into um, the rest of the plans for the products that we have, and so that'll that'll help even create more sales long term. You're definitely following the approach that I always recommend people follow. That's building an audience, building you know, getting something out there, getting your message first, then building a product, or or you know, then launching your product. But build an audience first, and set up your long term gain initially, your SEO gain initially. Start building relationships. You know, everything that takes time, start do doing it early. Exactly. Uh, and things that move the needle, like building an audience, start doing it early. Brian, thank you so much for such a value pack interview. I uh, really, really appreciate it. Where can people go to learn more about you? Uh, so the two places, right? Obviously, you know, uh, at Ideal Spot and, uh, the, you know, that's where we, we built this business and, you know, I blog there as well. Uh, but also, you know, I've been, you know, I've been blogging for over 15 years. And so, uh, you can just go to brianeisenberg.com and you can find me there. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find me on Twitter. Um, so I, and you know, lots of conferences every single year. So I, I get out there, not hard to find. Brian, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm really excited that I was able to, uh, to be here with you today and, and to share, you know, a few things that, that I've learned over, uh, this past year of this startup. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Brian Eisenberg. Head on over to rebelgrow.com forward slash episode 56 
for the show notes and everything mentioned on this episode. Also, head on over to Twitter and let me know what you thought of this episode. How do you plan on building an alpha version of your product, an MVP, even if it's an information product, it doesn't have to be a software-based product. Tag me at BorhabFat. Funny fact, my name, my last name is Obeso, which means obese, which is why my username is BorhabFat. <laughs> so funny, right? <laughs> Until next week's episode, go out, implement, and keep on growing.